Hello and welcome to the Half Court Press Podcast, take two. I messed up the first take because he made me start over. about 13 times, yeah. my boy. I, <laughs> it is, what day is it? It's been a long week. It's Wednesday. Wednesday it's Wednesday. I'm Jimmy Watkins, the Nebraska basketball beat writer, and some football, but for the purposes of this podcast, football does not exist. Fact. He's Joel Lorenzi. He covers Creighton. We are taking, well, some of us are taking our workplace aggression training that Lee Enterprises, <laughs> Lee Enterprises has assigned us this week while Joel holds a Nerf gun in the office. You see the irony there. <laughs> Basketball season is almost here. We got a little glimpse of, of what it's going to be like last night. We got to watch some... No, some, no. Don't say a glimpse of what it's going to be fact. like. I mean... We, okay, we got a glimpse of what it's going to feel like to watch basketball. Sure, yeah. Better? Yeah, yeah. Yes, because there is no glimpse of what it's going to be like to even, watch. Even still, victory. I don't know how many games we're going to catch that are going to be that exhilarating. I mean, I don't know I, I don't know if I can even fathom what I was watching last yeah. night. So last night, Victor Wembanyama, the uh, projected number one pick in next year's NBA draft, he is French. He is 7'4", and he's an alien he, he can fluid, bro. he can do he can do anything he had he scored 37 he had seven threes he had five blocks it was insane like it, it's if you haven't had a chance to watch that guy give it a youtube rabbit hole it's crazy uh he was playing against he was playing with his french team which is what called like 92 metropolitans Met, or something yeah, like that 92. um he's 18 years old so is scoot henderson uh who's the number two projected overall pick playing for the g league ignite i saw joel tweeting about it i was tweeting about it so i thought we'd talk about it for like I don't know. Five minutes off top, Joel. What did you think? I think Watching um, that. I think we're we're seeing some revolutionary stuff. First off, I think uh, a lot of people like I seen. I don't want to call them casuals, but obviously some people follow basketball or they follow the NBA, but they don't necessarily follow prospects. And I think if you follow prospects, you know Wimbayama has been catching this kind of heat and hype for. I mean, since dude was like fifteen. Like. I mean, I remember last summer him him and Chet playing against each other and like yep. the U seventeens or whatever was yep, a big yep. deal. But yeah, I mean, I don't like you can be a casual. Like you can just be uh, you can be a person who's never seen basketball before and you watch that guy. Oh, oh, oh yeah. that guy is he's just so is mesmerizing to watch a dude that tall do the things he does for the right. basketball. And really, I want to highlight the tweets because I saw a, a wide range of tweets and opinions. I want to highlight. Joel the, loves Twitter so much. Yes, I want to. I, I want to highlight it. the tweets that undermine both of these two as prospects. Now, I saw a lot of praise for Vic. Uh, obviously, it's, it's justifiable, right? He's, Vic has been the most in the forefront. I feel like um, he's been w- with his stature and his fluidity at seven four. He's been like the most proper to be like an alien, which is, you know, it, it's justified. But at the same time... Even the aliens are like, what the fuck is that? Right. <laughs> and, but, but at the same time, I feel like Scoot has gotten... He's become like an afterthought as a result. And uh, he's kind of gotten a boot in the discussion. I mean, uh, I've seen people frame it to where like, yeah, Scoot any other year is probably number yeah. one pick, which is true. And then I've seen other people be like, you know, we see this type of mode every other year with an athletic point guard and this and that. But man... The thing with Scoot is I can't remember a point guard prospect being this complete at his age. I mean, he's 18 and change, bro. You look at guys before him like John Morant, if you want to compare him to John Morant or whatever weak comparison you want to give him, that's not perfect. I mean, those dudes at his age were not disadvantaged. I mean, he's leading a, a G League team 
in this fashion and looking this complete. I mean, some of the some of the stuff we were seeing him do yesterday. I mean, he's he's challenging Vic at the rim. Right. Uh, he's losing the hand. Get him on like no, get him on a switch too, and like hitting a three in his face. Yeah, yeah, like real skillful stuff. Like losing the handle, getting it back. Like doing crazy stuff you've never seen out of a kid this age. He's got so much bounce too. Man, it's he's so complete. Just so damn talented. So I don't like that he's become an afterthought. And then with Vic, like, I don't think people understand. I think by the time this draft cycle ends, I think we're still going to manage at least half of us to undersell how good of a prospect yeah, Vic that dude, is. That dude, like, I'm, I'm like, almost, I, can, I feel weird saying I'm confident he's going to be, like, one of the best basketball players of all time. No, ever. I mean, the <laughs> only thing that would stop it is injuries, right? right. I mean, you, yeah. you look at a dude... This age, like people were like, "Oh, this is basically Chet or whatever." Right. Like, remember when we used to call Kristaps Porzingis a unicorn? It, it, it makes that dude look like a donkey. A pepper is farm remembers for sure. <laughs> like, bro, and you look at Vic at seven four, and you know how fluid he is. Like, this is not like bro is running into DHOs and and pulling up. Like, this is stuff like. <laughs> Like Duncan they're Robinson, running, they're running off the ball. Like yes, like Duncan Robinson, and like, he's like shooting step backs. Like and, what do you even need Duncan <laughs> for anymore? Like, like oh, bros gunning to put him out the league. I mean, he's seven four, doing everything <laughs> yeah. on the floor. And that's and okay. So yeah, Scoot's getting overlooked. But like, here's a take: basketball is for tall people. And Victor Wembanyama is super tall and awesome. And like, Scoot's gonna be great. But here's the thing: like, the last I don't know since two thousand. There's been like four times where the best player in, a champ- in an NBA championship team has been like shorter than six six. It's all the same guy. It's Steph. Sure. So like, it's that's why we get more excited about a guy like that, just because he's huge, and you got to kind of be huge to be a difference maker to that level at basketball. Yeah, and that's even still, what I like about Vic is that people are catching on early. Obviously, Giannis wasn't this nearly developed. At no. this age, but even yeah. when Giannis became good and transcendent, like people, I mean, people still hate on him to this day and point right. out his flaws. Vic's game seems mostly flawless. I mean, you could talk about the rebounds, you could talk about yeah. the, you know, the assertiveness, maybe on the glass yeah, or aggression around playmaking a little bit. But like, he's eighteen, right? All that stuff's gonna come. Yeah, like the. Playmaking is not like reading the game. Like part of it is a feel, but like Giannis, you can watch. He's, you can teach him to read the game. That's happened. The frame stuff, the rebounding stuff. He's going to get stronger. He just will. Yeah. Like he's gonna be. He's gonna be working with some of the best uh, nutrition professionals, the best in yeah. strength coaches, all that stuff. All, all that stuff is, is going a, to happen. All he needs is a Taco Bell order. Right. That's it. And I mean, right. I mean look at bro it's now. Be insane, bro. I, I mean, in terms of shot blocking instincts, like you can say all you want about Chet and this and that. I, I mean, he's seven four and does everything Chet well, yeah, does. His, arm, his wingspan's like eight feet. So. He's eighteen months younger. Like I don't see this dude. This dude is the number one pick in almost every draft. every draft. And, and it's incredible how. Well, one, I, I also liked how. I mean, it felt like all of basketball Twitter was watching this game. Yes. And I tweeted about this, and I had people in my comments talking about, well, it, I, I, said, I said it's dope to see the impact of draft Twitter because all, the entire basketball world is watching these two 18-year-olds. Right. Like, I don't know if this game would have been on television five years right. ago. Right. You know? Instead of watching the NBA preseason, right? right. People were like, oh, it's preseason. No, it's one's, pre-season. Wa- no it's, one's watching the NBA preseason. Luckily, the stakes are low, huh? Right. Trying to be yeah. sarcastic and yeah. shit. But... 
I mean, dude, Zion was playing yesterday. True. That's something I wanted to watch, right? Yeah. But I turned that off because right. I'm like, yo, I want to see these dudes compete. And when you look at it in hindsight, this is a G League team versus a French team. Who's If you frame it that way, who's watching that over the NBA preseason? Like you said, five years ago, probably nobody. But this is how far we've come, and these are this is how transcendent these prospects are. It's, it was just fun. I had a good time. It got me excited about watching basketball with my friends on the internet. That's yeah. all. Now, let me pose this to you, too, because huh? I saw another tweet like this. And, uh, I mean, I'm not even going to name the dude whose account it came from, but he's such an annoying account. But um, You afraid he's going to come at you? <laughs> no, I just, I, I don't like to burn bridges. No, I got you. Maybe we. You know, maybe what, what, was what was it? What was the tweet? There's two tweets. One tweet so was. So tweets. A lot of tweets. There's two tweets. <clears throat> One tweet was like, oh, <clears throat> the the draft order should be Vic number one, Scoot number two, and three to 14, you should have tanked harder, which is dumb <laughs> because you're going to see in college Ping. this year, this is such a loaded draft. Well, it's also a ping pong balls thing. Like, it doesn't matter how hard you tank. You got to just cross your fingers in May. Right? Yeah. And, and to, I mean, bro, any team that tanks this year is going to be happy, I think, because you're looking at, Teams getting Derek Lively, Derek Lively like in the back of the lottery, which is insane because Derek Lively would have been pretty high last year, I think. Um, so um, that's one thing we should be excited about college basketball, right? Including Big East fans, Cam Whitmore, who stands to be in that top five. And if you were here over the summer, Amen Thompson. Oh yeah, I was. I was sitting with you. Those three. dudes. Uh, we were talking to uh, Josh Jones, like just after after he did his presser. I was like, it's like, have you ever seen anyone jump like that? He's like the last person I saw. Like that was Zion. That's who yeah. he compared those those twins' athleticism to. So yeah, and then the other tweet was, oh, um, it was like a one of those things where he was like mocking people would be like ten months from now saying, well, Vic didn't drop twenty against North Directional State right. College, like so, mocking yeah for college basketball, which I can respect because this is how I, I don't mean, think I don't think Vic I, should play yeah. another game this year. I, I think he should. I actually saw a release that was like his agent was like, we're not ducking any smoke. We're not hiding him. We we want him it's to play. It's not about ducking smoke. It's about staying healthy and getting the money. Like I feel it. I'm, I, that's, that's all I'm it not is. mad at either either thing he does, but I think it's just a, a, it would be awesome I, to I see him I would like it. It's cool that he wants to keep playing. I get that. It's just like when Zion played in the tournament. Very yeah. cool that they want to keep playing. Anyways, let's talk college hoops. Uh, we've actually – we have, the, the media cycle has begun. We have – uh, we had a press conference for both of the teams that we covered last week. Nebraska had an opening night event on Friday that I skirted for a wedding, but I did watch back on YouTube a little bit. Uh, Joel, let's start with Creighton. What I watched the I watched their pressers back yesterday. Um, what did you learn? What's the vibe vibe check for Creighton right now? What did I learn? Probably nothing. I I think I said <laughs> that um, in the story I wrote after I left. Open practice. Yeah, you basically you the story you wrote was they understand the stakes. Yeah. Right. Um, like we didn't. I mean, I I think it was different for me because I've been relatively around the team all summer, um, so I didn't really learn anything new. Um, but you know they're they're doubling down on the same things. Ryan Kalkbrenner is working on his jump shot. Right. Uh, they're still looking for that voice to replace. Uh, Ryan Hawkins and Alex O'Connell, like the same stuff we've been talking about. Um, but I do think that um, 
like they are emphasizing like yeah this is a deep team Greg McDermott said like this is his deepest team ever which I didn't think he would admit I mean obviously that's something that's not only he made it was kind of like oh yeah like no question right yeah. yeah and uh like yeah they're just doubling down on like you said the stakes um how much potential this team has I think they're being hard on themselves now not like they shouldn't be but I think they're they're really like they're a team that can look at themselves in the mirror and say we're not where we want to be and I don't think they're even close to where they want to be right now the thing that I thought was one of the things that I thought that was interesting that Max said in that presser was uh he got asked the question about you know there's guys on some on this team who might who will play a bit role or not play at all here might you know start somewhere else you know how do you keep those guys happy and he sort of framed it as like well no one's going to play the number of minutes that they're going to like you know guys like Nemhard Alexander the returners Kalkbrenner guys who were playing 30 to 35 even sometimes minutes by default because there wasn't that many dudes right. like they're going to be reined in too so that's I didn't, I didn't think about it that way but that's an interesting like what's the right when you have a, a very clearly defined best lineup what's the right mix of yeah. of not only playing all five of those guys together but like you're gonna obviously mix some of those bench units right they're gonna have two three starters on the on the court at all times um I, thought, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, he said something along the lines of, like, the guys that that we are thinking is, like, maybe afterthoughts or the, the guys that are not starting, like, he, he feels they'll, pre, they'll be – they'll have the minutes to be impactful and they'll be impactful in those minutes. I mean, we, I've, I've tried to, you know, throw out my hypotheticals and, you know, try to – think of who it would be off the bench. And I think we've got a good idea now, and I think we've got a good idea that he wants to go deeper than most years because of the the depth that's, you know, unfamiliar to him. But um, and even still, like, people people are asking me, like, in my mailbag I did yesterday, people keep asking me um, who's the X factor. And then they're, like, answering the question. They're like, oh, it's it's got to be Mason Miller, right? Or it's got to be this. And one I already answered that. I said it was Kaluma because, I mean, you're still looking at, five impactful starters right yeah. um i'm not gonna go into why i mean you could just read the first mail back why i said Kaluma. it's Kaluma, but um in terms of like the reserves like people got to think like you said there's gonna be two to three starters on the floor at any given time there's not gonna be a ton of pressure on them but they're just gonna have to knock down shots and be comfortable in their role it's it's not no one's gonna feel the burden i feel like Ryan Nemhard felt in his role last year, where he's having to create so much offense, even though he was a right. starter. He also, I mean, he also said um, he liked he framed it that it it's this idea that sure they'll be playing fewer minutes, fewer opportunities, but with those opportunities, it could be more efficient. Yeah, that is one way to look at it, but it's also like when you are, and again, Trey, Trey Ryan Nemhard, uh, Burner and Kaluma played together last year, but you are incorporating a dude who can do everything in, in Baylor Shireman and who they're going to give playmaking responsibility to. And you are navigating still this Nemhard Trey. You asked the question to Kalkbrenner about like, who do you like throwing your lobs better? And, you know, Kalkbrenner sort of tiptoed. He's like, oh, they're really, both really good passers, but I yeah. think Ryan's probably a better lob thrower, <laughs> right? So, the, you know, those good problems to have are still a little bit complicated by the idea that you have so many guys who can play and like, 
if if all these guys are playing 30 minutes, it's easier to to convince everyone and for everyone to actually get all the chances that they'll be promised. If guys are playing 28, 26, 24 minutes, like it's just like I, I'm, it's not a problem. It's not a problem. It's just a complication. It's going to have to be worked out. I could see that. Um, I see ex- as Mac ex- experiments rotate with rotations, and for the bench guys who are trying to prove themselves, it's the same thing. They're trying to do something that to show the coach that they deserve more playing time. And if you have fewer opportunities, it gets it can just get antsy out there. Yeah, that's all. But I I do think that <clears throat> the guys that we're looking at who are getting these reserve opportunities. None of them really have to do too much when they come in. Like uh, Sharif Mitchell, all he has to do is play defense. I think that's something that usually remains steady unless you're like an older NBA player, you start to decline. I mean, you, you don't lose the, the IQ to play defense. So I think that's something we'll see return. And I guess you're hoping that he shoots the 36% he shot in his last full season. That's something that can change, sure. But – all he has to be is an average shooter if he's on the floor with at least three of those starters, two of those starters. Um, Mason Miller is a guy you just got to play above the rim and shoot the skin off the ball, which Baylor seems to think he can do. Um, Fred King is probably the most complicated case. It's hard to, to follow uh, Ryan Kalkbrenner's minutes, but he's big, got a good frame, and he's developing quick. Um, it will be – I mean, one of the biggest questions for their season to me is – how do they? How does the defense look when Kalkbrenner's off the court? And based on that, like, how many minutes can he play? Right? Like, yeah. if if Fred King is not ready to anchor a defense, like, how far can you push Kalkbrenner minutes wise? Those yeah. are two things that we'll be watching. We'll figure it out. Uh, on the flip side, Nebraska was Fred was cheery last week. Mm. He was uh, he was making jokes at my expense. He was. He was making jokes to the crook. Fred, I, I said after the press conference, like, "Hey, opening night, you can do a, you can do a, uh, open like a, or I'm sorry, an opening night, you can do an open mic." That was a pretty good set you just had up here. He had a lot of the people that were in that crowd because they have the, the basketball pressers at, at for Nebraska during the preseason are concurrent with the football. Like so, on it's just one big press conference Tuesday, and it goes volleyball, women's basketball, men's basketball, football. Well, football and is mixed in there um and so he had the crowd eating out the palm of his hand he they had mm. people giggling he was um fred's good at the media stuff he always has been but it just seemed to me like that he was in a good mood and i know that that's sort of been a a broken record type thing this off season. they they it's, all, it's been all good vibes everyone likes each other that's a good thing that, that that's basically the, the story I'm going to write to preview the season is, hey, everyone likes each other. What the heck does that mean? Yeah. What can that actually do for you? Because I, I think they are a little talent deficient for the Big Ten. Um, but that was just, that was notable to me. That was, it was notable to me because he, it was as loose as I had seen him maybe since I've gotten here. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because he's more comfortable with the media core. Like, I, you know, we've known each other for over a year now. But... That was interesting to me. Um, I want to ask you this, Joel. The another thing that Fred talked about in that press conference was that they were going to switch up the opening night event, and they did. So last year was what you would expect out of sort of a midnight madness thing. You know, they had a three-point contest. They did a scrimmage, which was basically an all-star game, like guys clearing out of the lane so that other guys can right. throw al- yeah. uh, alley oops off the backboard to themselves. 
K-State Tominaga taking 35-foot threes, and the crowd loves that. And him and Verge started playing one-on-one a little bit, and that's one of the things that Fred said he didn't really like. And I understand that because it was like, it was uh, it kind of inadvertently foreshadowed what that team became. And I think Fred was really concerned about those optics. And what he did this year was basically had practice. Like they did shooting right, drills. They doing three-man they, weave. They did the three-man weave. Line. They did shooting drills. They did closeout drills. Um, you know, five-on-air type stuff, ball movement, come to, you know, swing once, jump stop in the middle at the elbow, swing again, yeah. or shoot a, which shoot is, a which pass to the corner. Which is super weird to do in a stadium. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And Sam was texting me on Friday, like, the crowd is not engaged. So, is that, is that, does that matter? What? Does, the should should your opening night, should it be a hype fest? Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, especially with a program like Nebraska, you need to get as much Reason to be excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, <clears throat> and, you know, it just feels so, it's so unconventional to just have a, like an open practice as you're. I'm, wa- I'm watching it back, man. It was weird. Yeah, it was weird, and so and strange. the camera angles, like from the live stream, I don't, like in person, it maybe if you're a Nebraska basketball fan, it's just cool to see those guys in person. And Emmanuel Banamel is throwing down like you know crazy dunks in between drills. Juwan Gary did between the legs. Impressed by both of their athleticism, just based off that, I hadn't seen much of them live. Um, but I just that's kind of like what that's about. I think there's a balance to be had here. Yeah. Like you don't want it to maybe be clear out of the lane to do dunks for each other, but I don't know. There should be, that's what that event is about. It's not about showing, showing what, uh, showing how organized you are. Although they did look organized and that's good. Like they, the way they moved from drill to drill was like, (laughs) <laughs> it was impressive. I know it sounds weird, but it was impressive. Like, they all moved as one. They all knew what they were doing the entire time, and that's a good thing. Yeah. I, but on that sort of night, for, particularly for a team that has been so bad and, like, pr- probably needs a little juice, there just wasn't any juice. Yeah. I don't, and I don't, I don't want to belabor that. It doesn't matter that much either way, honestly, but no juice. What well, well, the in-between feels like just a scrimmage, and um, honestly – I think you're better off doing something more like Creighton did where you are moving out the way for dunks because at least you get to show off the guys' athleticism and you know, yeah, get the just crowd Just get people excited. And, and there was some of that. Again, yeah. Manuel Banamel damn near threw down one of those, like, behind the back, like, mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. His, like, his, athle- his athleticism imp- impressed the heck out of me. In the 30 seconds that I saw him trying to do that, he never completed it, but, like, the fact that he can try to do that, and it, it looks like he can do that. Like, I'm sure he's done that in practice before. That's exciting because that's a dude that you need to – like, they're going to give him the ball when Sam Griesel's not on the court. He's going to be the backup point guard. So that stuff is exciting. More of that. Give us more of that, I think. Fine, I get it. Like, last year's it was a little tacky at times, and that's – and coming out of last year, Fred wants – I think Fred understands that the athletic director, Trev Alberts, cares a lot about optics – and that last year's Nebraska basketball team was particularly difficult to watch for some of the same reasons that made that scrimmage exciting. I think it was just a little bit of an overcorrection. We'll see what, what they do with it next year. Uh, a lot of that, whether, whether he gets the chance to make that decision depends on what they do this year, of course. Um, and to that point, they've, they basically 
laid their flag in the ground last week and said, we're a defensive team. Like, we're going to be – When I, I think I asked Wilhelm Breidenbach, like, what do you want this team to look like by the end of the year? And the first word out of his mouth was defense. First word, first word out of Emmanuel Bandamel, Bandamel's mouth was defense. I'll ask you another question, Joel. This team has been a really, 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 like, worst in the Big Ten defense two of the three years. They were, they had some, two years ago, their COVID year, when they had Delano Banton, they had some toolsy guys, and they had good defensive stretches. Overall, their Ken Palm numbers were pretty good, but in conference play, I think they were like 11th out of 14 teams. Can you, how, how much can you fix a defensive culture in an offseason? It takes talent. It takes talent more than anything. I mean, um... At this stage, guys have their defensive brains, like, picked. Like, if you're, like, a early 20-year-old or whatever. And so, obviously, like, a defensive coach can improve that. But Fred isn't that, right? Right. Like, they, handed, they handed the defense over to Nate Lenzer late last year. He started mixing it up, started throwing in some one three one stuff. And it, it worked sometimes. Like, yeah. last year, they and, randomly and were sets, good for, yeah. like, a week. And, and sets like that work. Because um, when you don't have the talent, I mean, I think... And, and they did have, like, last year, they, part of the reason they were bad is that their best defensive player, Trey McGowan's, was hurt for a good chunk of the year. Sure. Got to point that out as well. Yeah. And I think um, it really just takes three capable defenders to be an okay defense. You probably need, a, like, an anchor, someone to man the backside, uh, a point-of-attack defender, and then someone who could just float around, maybe help side, you know, help if the perimeter's breached, stuff like that. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't feel I think like... You make, the, you make a good point there. I think they would argue they have that. Emmanuel Bandamel, I agree. He's that guy. He's the point of attack guy. He hounds people. He is like, turn him on at SMU, watch him for five minutes. He can do that. I 100% believe that. Juwan Gary, he can be your float guy, for sure. 6'6", six, six, a little, little undersized to be like a help side rim protector yeah. guy, but he's got some bounce to him. Yeah. And he's... Like, you know, watch the Auburn game. That guy was guarding Jabari Smith as well as anyone did last year. Top four pick. The guys in the back, it's complicated. Yeah. Derek Walker's 6'9". Not big enough to be a rim protector. Blaze Keita is bigger, 6'10", 6'11". Not the leaper that you want your rim protector to be, but big charge, like, incredible charge taker. Like, when I went down there to, to write about him, he took three charges in the first half. Yeah. When Nebraska released their, um, they posted a picture of Fred a couple weeks ago, wearing a shirt like with the Nebraska's charge leaderboard on it. Blaze was at the top with six. I took a page out of uh, what's it called his book. From yeah, yeah, saw, huh? yep, yep, from Musselman's book. And I asked Fred about that last week. He said Blaze is ahead in the charge category still by far. So that's good. That's that's knowing where to be. How much is going is Blaze going to play? He's, I mean, right now I think he's slated as their backup center. We'll see. Derek, Derek is better on offense. Blaze might be a better defensive player. And that's where my question is there. But you make a good point. It is, it's a personnel-driven thing. Yeah. And even those three guys, having those three guys, it gets you started in the right direction. It makes you probably an okay defense. It still doesn't make you a good one. It makes you, I think, an average or okay defense. And here's the other thing. J- playing Juwan Gary... With a big, it gives you a spacing conundrum. The dude's like seven for 50 from three in his career. Yeah. So 
I, I think I've, we've talked about this before. I am just so fascinated to see how Fred manages his lineups because he's got a lot of guys. Like, he's got, you know, C.J. Wilcher is the most proven shooter on the team. I think he's going to start at the three. He's, and he, and he, to his credit, he dropped 15 pounds in the offseason. He looks better than he ever has. He said he's quicker, all that stuff. Last year, he just wasn't, he wasn't quick enough to stay in front of dudes on the perimeter. Um, Casey Tominaga, incredible offensive weapon if he can hit threes consistently. Like that dude, the guy's range is amazing. The fans love him. He brings energy and like he's he's a tough guy. Like he, it's hard to knock him off his spot, even though he's like six one one eighty or whatever. But he's not, you know. That's a guy that defenses are going to go after, right? Like there's you know Jamarcus Lawrence is a really good shooter. He's a freshman. He's a freshman. He's six three. His body's you know probably not ready for the Big Ten right away. Ramel Lloyd's big, six six. I think he's like two twelve. Yeah. I know that. I know that there are some internal concerns about his body holding up in the Big Ten. It's just a lot of guys, like there's there's not a lot like not a lot not a lot of guys who I think check both boxes. So you know what I'm saying? Like you either you're either a three point specialist or you can score. You're or you're a defensive specialist. You can help us in that way. That's just I think that's really challenging for a coach. Fred, I, I just, it's schematically I'll say this. I don't think that there there have been a lot of um, what's the word. Pro, running a program type things that Fred has needs to improve on schematically the dude knows what he's doing yeah so I'm just fascinated to watch how he navigates all that stuff this year no that's doubt. that'll tell the story of the season to me you got anything else on Creighton Joel or should we do rap takes no but I, I did want to uh mention I saw Parker Fredrickson finally commit to uh, Notre Dame. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Parker. Did we, have we talked about that yet? No. Okay, we should talk about that real quick. Uh, Parker Fredrickson was the top target on Nebraska's board like the entire summer. He visited Nebraska like four times. His family is from Nebraska. His dad, I think his dad has like Husker in his Twitter name or something like that. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I didn't know, know that. I know. I'm not positive about that, but I'm pretty sure. Um, and then Notre, <laughs> Notre Dame <laughs> Notre Dame offered him a month ago, and Fredrickson ended up going there. <sighs> it's a tough beat, man. Yeah. It's a really, really tough beat. I don't think Parker Fredrickson is the kind of dude that is going to change your program. I don't think he's that level of player. He's, good, he's a great shooter. He's a great shooter. No. And he's got, been a great prodigal son absolutely. for Hoiberg, though. Absolutely. Yeah. Fred loved him. Yeah. Fred, that was Fred's guy. Like, Fred, people, you know, people knock Fred for his motivation on the recruiting trail. He's, he's really go- he was really gunning for that kid, and Fred built a legitimately great relationship with that kid. And I, I, something changed. When I talked to Parker two weeks ago, three weeks ago, after his Nebraska visit, I felt pretty good he was coming here. Yeah. That was and that was after that was his last visit. He he visited Davidson and Notre Dame before Nebraska. Nebraska had the last word. Something changed. I don't know what it was, but something changed. And I think that next year is so right now Nebraska has one commit in their recruiting class. Eli Rice, dude they love every time I ask about him, they say, you know that guy? <laughs> that guy's a motherfucker. That's what they call that's what they say about him. They love him. 
They need more, obviously. I think next year is going to be a big portal year, was going to be a big portal year regardless because this is an older team. We may see even more of that. I think... I think they were probably looking at they wanted to get three guys in in the class for twenty three. Um, we'll see, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, you know they liked the they were on the Braylon Green kid who went to Arizona State. Um, they were on the Fielder kid who went to Providence, and those were you know those were the names I was hearing. So it's back to the drawing board. They're gonna they'll get they'll get players. The the it's still the Big Ten. Fred's still got the NBA background. They'll get players. This was just a sizable blow. I know that that was, a, that was not a decision that sat well with the coaching staff. Rap takes. Uh, Joel, did you listen to... I think during the season, we'll probably get this just closer to give me a wreck. But last week was actually a big week for music driving. YG dropped. I did not listen to okay, I didn't either. I didn't either. I'm just not. I'm just saying he dropped and he's yeah. big. Kid Cudi dropped. Uh, Freddie Gibbs dropped. Yeah. Tory Lanez dropped. Tory Lanez. Tory Lanez has not missed for like two years. I know that Tory Lanez is a problematic person. He's bring canceled. up. I know he's canceled for sure, and he deserves to be. He shot Megan the Stallion. That's bad. His music is is absolutely. Heat right now though the guy listened. hasn't the guy hasn't missed all right well what are you listening to give us something what am I listening to let's go to my Apple Music right now because that is the superior app I'm, I'm listening <laughs> to some New York drill ridiculous I'm, take. I'm be in New York in two weeks so um, keep it I mean, you may you, I mean like can you explain to some of our listeners what drill is no yes well, yes listen well there's give it what what confuses people there really should be a, a case study on this or something but the, what confuses people there's there's different types of drill. I mean, drill originated in Chicago, where I'm from, with you know artists like Chief Keef and and what uh, G Herbo used to be when back when he was Lil Herb, uh, Lil Durk, who else? Uh, King Louis, uh, L.A. Capone, like guys like that. And it's really just it's rap that Jimmy wouldn't endorse. Oh, it's real. Why it's not? Le- it's less lyricism for sure. Oh no. Uh, I'd say. You know, I like my back. I got my backpack on. I'd say really good production though. Different production okay. is it's less instrumental. It's livelier drums, right? Yeah, it's, it's definitely more bass, more drums, a um, lot of hi hats, um, less less instruments. I would say it's definitely it, it sounds. Le- it's definitely steering away from the typical rap we 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 knew like. Decades ago, but um, it's still good. Like sonically, it's good music, bro. Um, and that was—I mean, that was over ten years ago. Now, I mean, you're seeing UK drill. You're seeing—that's um, the one I'm most familiar with. New York drill, and I like UK drill. I like all of them. Um, but New York drill is just New York drill is different from Chicago. Obviously, they they put their action on it, and it just changes completely. But um, the beats are different. I mean, New York drill. What I love about New York drill. They will take any song and make it a drill beat. Like I, I heard uh, Earthquake, Tyler the Creator, Earthquake. They put the drums on it and made it a, a drill okay. beat. Like I heard it the other day. I'm like, yo, this sounds crazy though. Like, so I really like New York drill. But I'm listening to a lot of. Uh, sounds like what sounds like what white people are doing with EDM. Just like give me give me a popular song, and I'll throw some some like instance on it, and that's sure. that's what it, I'm what's what I'm doing. Uh, I would just say listen to the Freddie Grubbs album if you like rap music. It's very good. Facts. That guy's it's grittier. It's it's like it's like gangster rap, but 
Dude can rap. The production is incredible. Um, it's like if you, if you, if if there was a black Tony Soprano, like mm. I feel like this is what he would yes. listen to. Yes, that's a good comparison. Um, real quick, because I was, I didn't go to. I missed two important Nebraska basketball events last week. I missed the open practice, and I missed the. Yeah, get on your opening, job. What do we pay you I for? I missed the opening night. I feel like an obligation to explain to the people why that was. I was at a wedding. I was doing family stuff, but the reason. Z's looking up yeah. girl right. Z, Z. <laughs> that's and funny. five minutes ago he was I looking at that. a random Is that dictionary that you're on there, Z. Nice, love that. Um, oh quick, quick, Jimmy being an idiot story. Uh, I was house sitting for one of my buddies while I was in town, and he told me before he left the only thing you have to do, only thing you have to do is make sure the doors are closed because the cats will get out. I was like, got it, easy. What I didn't know is that their front door. When you go to close it, you, you got to, like, really pull it. Like, otherwise, it'll bounce off. I don't know what's up on oh, the door. Oh, the cat's muscle the door, huh? So, no, no, no. It's just, like, I, I, I throw the door closed behind me, and it bounces off. But I have headphones on because I'm about to go for a run. And I walk back. I'm, I'm coming back down the street, and I see a cat that looks like his cat. So I'm like, ah, oh, that's weird. And then I go back. <laughs> as I'm coming back to the door, the door is wide open. Damn. And there's a, like, the, one of the cats is on the porch, and I'm like, no chance that I just lose this man's cats on the only thing, the only thing I was responsible you for. You let Garfield out, how could you? Only thing I was responsible for. At the same time, I had called the lift. I was like, I had to go be oh, somewhere for a family thing. It. So like, the lift is here, and I'm like, dude, I have no idea what I'm going to do. This is crazy. Like, I hope you canceled the lift. No, what happened was I ended up finding one of the cats inside. So the cats didn't get away. So I that just was just thought, a random It was cat just a random cat. cat. Just a random cat. The other thing... I have to read the final house sitting wrap up text that I sent because before I left, I wanted to make sure the doors were locked because I didn't know what time they were getting home that day. In the process, I locked my wallet in the house. So here's the last. I'm not great at this. Here's the last text I sent. Full house sitting report. Cats are fed today and have fresh water. All doors locked. Your big plant in the living room is on the porch because I had to go through the window after locking my wallet inside. Neighbors may report a break-in false alarm. Also, your immediate neighbor low-key broke your fence but has already fixed it. I don't know. He told me a pole got blown over into it. Ian has arrived, he joked nervously. A pool? Thanks for letting me crash. There's a pole. I don't know. Oh, a pole. I was just I was just coming back, and the guy was like, hey, uh... <laughs> I had to go through the back door, and the fence is just like... There's a huge well, hole. Well, he picked in it. the right person to tell. Yeah, to, he's like, you don't. You clearly don't give a shit about this man's crib losing his cat. But he, the guy fixed it. I didn't see. Didn't lose the cats. Whatever. And the fence got fixed, so it's all good. The yeah. porch was the the living room plant was left on the porch, but that's he replied LMAO, all good. See, sure, all good. So people listen to drill rap and don't let Jimmy House sit. That's your crib. a big fact. Don't let me house sit for you. It's a bad idea. That's the Half Court Press Podcast. He's Joel Lorenzi. I'm Jimmy Watkins. We will see you next week. Bow.